Hello, 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 and welcome to the bonus part of today's FYI podcast where we're talking about brewskis. That's right. As I told you in the first part of the show, it's another way to say beers, a totally native way to say beers. All right. Well, I hope you guys have cracked a beer. If you finished your beer already, don't worry. Crack another one. We still have another whole part of the podcast left to go where we're going to learn all about this amazing beverage called beer. And I'd like to just take a moment as well to say thank you to all of you guys who are listening, because without you, I could not do this. Thank you so much for supporting me and the work I do. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And if you need anything from me, you know, just reach out. Reach out. I'll be there. Ahí estaré. Just reach out. Thank you so much, patrons. You guys are the best. All right. Well, I told you I was going to tell you about the strongest beer in the world. I think back in the day, I would have ordered this one, right? To order es pedir. We don't say to ask for, because ask for is pedir un préstamo o pedir un favor, but pedir comida o bebida is to order. Cuando decimos nos tomas nota, do you know how we say that? In English, we say we're ready to order. We're ready to order. All right, so the strongest beer in the world. As I said, I would have ordered this. The old me would have ordered this, but the new me, I don't think I can take it. I'm a lightweight. A lightweight is alguien con poco aguante. Another way we say is a cheap date. Soy una cita barata. <laughs> so uh, the strongest beer in the world is called Snake Venom. That's crazy. Just the name. <laughs> Snake Venom. Veneno de Serpiente. And this is brewed by a Scottish brewery. Are you ready for this? The percentage. There's that word again, that A-G-E. ¿Te acuerdas que vimos las palabras que acaban con A-G-E? E en inglés. A-G-E se pronuncian ij. Ij. So here's another one. Uh, the percentage of alcohol is 67.5% percent. Yeah, guys, that sounds like rubbing alcohol, doesn't it? Rubbing alcohol is what you use to clean your wounds, tus heridas. Well, let's just look at a comparison. Most vodka on the market these days is 40%. 40%. That's still huge. Well, this beer, which beer usually has less alcohol than spirits. Spirits are hard liquor, right? Alcohol. So beer typically has between 3 and 10% alcohol. Snake Venom beer has 67.5. I mean, seriously, as we say in English, it will put hair on your chest. Te pondrá pelo en el pecho. Algo que está muy fuerte, que tiene mucho alcohol, will put hair on your chest. I think of absinthe as well, this French one. And it's interesting because most beers are not that strong. So this is for those of you who are definitely not lightweights like me. If I had just two sips, sorbos, two sips of this beer, uh, I would be drunk as a skunk. I love how you guys say in Spanish, más pedo que Alfredo. We say drunk as a skunk. <laughs> drunk as a skunk. Una mofeta is the word we use. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that, but uh, I'm in no rush. No tengo prisa. I'm in no rush to try that beer. I'll stick with, me quedo con, I'll stick with the ones that have between 3 and 5% alcohol. I don't want to get too tipsy. Tipsy es como un poco borrachín. Plus, I just can't take hangovers anymore. 
I used to be able to take a hangover like it was nothing. And now I'm hungover for three days. My hangovers last, duran, three days. It's incredible. I think that's my body telling me, Alberto, you're no spring chicken. You're no spring chicken is an expression that means you're not as young as you used to be. Well, let's take a look at some different types of beer. Now, we've got one, which is probably the most common one, and the one that you call rubia, and this is called lager. Lager. I'm sure you've seen the word before. If you're a beer drinker, just by looking at the label, you'll learn a lot of vocabulary. If you've seen some beers are called wheat beers. Well, wheat is trigo. De hecho, I learned the word wheat in German by drinking beer. You know how many words I've learned by drinking beer? Seriously. Wheat, weizen, right? A hefenweizen is these type of beers. I remember the way I learned the word hell in German. I was at a beer bar with a German friend. This was in Frankfurt. Uh, I remember I said, dude, Tronco. I said, dude, I'm going to order that hell beer. Esa cerveza demonio, uh, infierno. And he said, yeah, hell means light. And I said, oh, really? I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so that day I learned that hell beer is not because it's hardcore. <laughs> it's because it's light. So who said that you can't drink and learn? So we've got lager, probably the most common one. Wheat beer is starting to get more popular. Wheat, it's cloudier. Es más eh, nubloso, la cerveza. It's a cloudier beer. Then you've got what you call negras. Now, our negras, we call stouts. S-T-O-U-T. And if you look at the word stout, you'll see it on the Guinness label. Guinness stout. That's the type of cerveza negra. There are other types of beer like that. Porter, but the most common dark beer would be a stout, thanks to Guinness. And the word stout, the lovely thing here is the word stout means robusto. And that is a pretty robust beer. See? Another word we learned from drinking beer. Now, guys, I'm not recommending you get drunk. I'm just recommending you try different beers, just like you would try different wines, like a connoisseur. When I worked in New York City, I was a bartender. Un camarero de bar. Now, I've heard people say barman. You can say barman, but in the States, we would say bartender. And I worked at a bar that had a whopping and astounding 150 different kinds of beer. Some of those beers were on tap or draft. De, gripo, de grifo is on tap or on draft. And most of the beers that they had were bottled beers. You say un tercio, we say a bottle of beer. And speaking of Guinness Stout, the Guinness Book of World Records was conceived by one of the Guinness executives in Dublin as a way to settle pub disputes. Now, to settle when you have an argument, I think it's this. Well, no, I think it's this. Well, he saw so many people arguing at the bars, he said, well, we need something to settle these arguments once and for all, de una vez y por todas. So they came up with this book of records, the Guinness Book of World Records. It was conceived in a pub to settle pub disputes. Now, we don't need the Guinness Book of World Records. Don't get me wrong. No me malinterpretes. I love the Guinness Book of World Records. But we don't need it anymore to settle our disputes. Why? Google Hello? <laughs> we don't need to. We can have the answer in just a few moments. Another kind of beer, 
pale ale. Now, this is interesting, too, because uh, my cousin in Almería, she says, Primo, ¿te vas a pedir una pale ale? And I'm like, pale ale? What is pale ale? I thought it sounds like a, a song. Pale ale ale, pale ale ale. I don't know, for me. I, and I said, pale ale. And then she pointed at my beer, señaló a mi cerveza, and I said, oh, pale ale. Okay, I got it now. Otra palabra que aprendemos de beber cerveza. Pale es pálido. So, ale is a type of beer, a very common type of beer as well. And so es pálida. Pale ale. And I'm sure you guys know that one as well because there's a very popular kind of beer now in Spain. I'm seeing it everywhere. And I remember when I moved here, I never saw this beer. You guys call it IPA. But we don't call it IPA. We call it IPA. So another one, it's not paleale, it's pale ale. It's not IPA, it's IPA. And what does IPA stand for? Well, IPA stands for India Pale Ale. And what makes the India Pale Ale different than a normal pale ale? Well, the simple fact that the British used this beer as the one that they delivered to their troops in India. So it's not that it was brewed in India or with Indian spices or anything, but it was shipped over to the troops in India. So it's called India Pale Ale, and it's got a lot of hops, and it's got a lot of alcohol in it too. But remember, it had to last, durar o perdurar, during its long voyage from England over to India. So I didn't know that. India Pale Ale. It was made for the troops. And before I said the word hops, let's talk a little bit about the ingredients now. Now to hop is saltar. It's what a rabbit does. But hops is also an ingredient in beer. All right. And hops you call lupulo. Hops. Right. Siempre viene en plural. Hops. H-O-P-S. I like that word because well, it's a it's a word that has a couple meanings, right? A bunny rabbit hops and beer contains hops. The next ingredient that you need when you're making beer, I've never made beer. I would like to brew my own beer, but uh, I don't have much free time. Barley, cebada, cebada. I love this word too. I remember when I used to meet with my friends in La Latina in Madrid, I would say, let's meet at the barley market. And my friend said, what? I said, the barley market. Mercado de la cebada. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are some of the, the key ingredients that we need. We just said hops, barley. We need grain, right? Grain is cereal. Uh, of, course, of course, water. Do you want to be honest? Beer can be made with basically any ingredient you want. You just have to ferment it, right? If you ferment it, then you get an alcoholic beverage. Now, of course, don't tell a German that that's beer. They have their rules, and they're very strict about their rules. They have something called the beer purity law in Germany. It's called the German Reitheisgesbot. I know I mispronounced that. I'm sorry. The translation would be the beer purity law. Now, this was a law that was decreed in 1516, so a long time ago, 1516, and it stated that only barley, hops, and water could be used in the brewing of beer. Now, that law is still in effect today. Now, there have been modifications, but 
They're saying if it has any other ingredients besides barley, hops, and water, it's not beer. But there's where we get into that gray area. What do you call beer? Because then you have beers with fruit, and you have beers that are more like champagne. I remember trying a beer called Korsendank, and we spoke before about monks. This was a beer that was brewed by monks, but it's not your traditional beer. They serve it in a, a wine glass because this beer reminds me more of champagne. It's very, very bubbly. It's very sparkly. It's got that crisp flavor to it. I, I recommend it. I, re I remember, though, it is quite expensive. And if you can find it, it's called Korsendank. I think, you know, some Germans would say, that is not beer. Hey, again, we can split hairs. To split hairs, this is a really good idiom that we use a lot in English. We're splitting hairs means we're talking about little things here. Buscar eh, la quinta pata al gato. If you like it and it says beer on the label and they call it beer, you can call it beer. But just be careful if you go to Germany because then they're a little bit more strict with that. As you can see, the art of making beer, and it is an art form because you're taking all these different ingredients that are in season and you're making beer. One of my favorite things about the United States is depending on the season, you'll have different beers on tap, como hemos dicho, de grifo. So you'll go to the bar and in the summer, you'll have blonde ales. In the winter, you'll have beer with like spice and cinnamon and things like this. And one of my favorites is really during Oktoberfest, during the fall or the autumn, you get a lot of beers with pumpkin and a lot of those ingredients that come from that season. That's what I love about it. You know, beer has become an art form. It's no longer just Budweiser and Bush beer or in Spain. When I moved to Spain, 15 years ago, nobody asked, what kind of beer do you have? It was, ponme una cerveza, and that was it. And if they had Cruz Campo, it was Cruz Campo. And if it, they had this, well, great. And that's what, you, you took it or you left it, right? We say, take it or leave it. O lo, o ajo, ajo agua, you say, take it or leave it. Now I've seen Spain go back to being a beer-loving country again, where any bar you go to has several beers on tap, they have several bottled beers, and you're seeing new beers popping up all the time in Spain. I think it's fantastic because people have always thought of Spain as a wine country, and it is. We are very proud to be one of the greatest wine-producing countries in the world, but it wasn't always like that. That's why I said we're going back. Some of the earliest beer recipes were found on the European continent were found in Spain. Spain was a beer country a long time ago. Then a little group, you might have heard of them, called the Roman Empire, they came in and they said, we're going to do wine, guys. We know that, you know, you like this beer thing and you're good at it because Spain was good at it. They were ahead of their time in the beer world. Adelantados por su tiempo. They were ahead of their time in the world or in the timeline that is beer. But then enter the Roman Empire, and they said, no, 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 we're going to do things our way. And Spain said, all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll produce wine. And you did it really well. And Spain went away from its beer roots and really focused on wine. But now Spain is going back to those beer roots. 
Spain is creating some really amazing, exciting new beers. Do you know how many breweries there are in Madrid now where you can take a tour and you can try different beers? It's become a culture again and not just a, well, I want something to drink, give me anything you have. People now have developed their taste for different beers and different styles of beer as well. As I said, we have microbrews or craft beers. Microbrews, como suena, micro, que no se produce masivo. And a craft beer is, I forgot how you guys say that. Vamos a buscarlo aquí. Guys, I always recommend if you have a doubt or a question about a vocabulary word, all you have to do is look it up. Uh, you can Google it, obviously, but one uh, a, a website I use a lot is Word Reference. So, de artesana. Craft beer is cerveza artesana. So, you're seeing a boom in craft beers. And they even sell kits on the internet that you can make and brew your own beer at home. I've, I've been meaning to do it, but I, I don't have too much time. That's my problem. But I would love to brew my own beer. It must be nice, like growing your own tomatoes, something special about something that you made with your hands. All right, now I want to look at some idioms that we use in English when referring to beer. Now, this is one that I love. Beer me. Have you heard this one? Beer me means, ponme otra cerveza. O sea, tu amigo se levanta and you say, beer me. <laughs> Está diciendo, me pones otra cerveza también. Beer me. La que os enseñé antes, beer a clock. Uh, some other words we associate it with too. I said the word sip before, sorber. Uh, we also gulp beer. Those are two words that sound like what they are, onomatopoeic words. Sip, sorber, and gulp. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Now, you can imagine which one I do. I'm a gulper. Gulp, 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 gulp. I down it. To down it is terminarlo. I kill it. No decís lo mismo en español. Lo mato. I kill it. I, I get a beer. I can down it in 30 seconds. Yeah, I went to college in the United States. I learned something. <laughs> I also learned how to open a beer bottle with a lighter. See? You learn something at American universities. It's not all about books. Another common mistake I see with people when they're ordering beers or having drinks is people say, I'll invite. Y en español decís, yo invito. Pero aquí diríamos en inglés, it's on me. It's on me es invito yo. That beer is on me. Si invita a la casa, it's on the house. Una forma muy británica de decir, es mi ronda o me toca es, it's my shout. Another way, it's my round. My round is what we would say in the United States. My shout is more British. Whichever one you prefer. So it's my shout. It's my round. It's on me. But we don't say I invite. We use invite for a physical thing, right? I'm going to invite you to a party, but not invitar. Another way we could say it, though, is it's my treat. It's my treat. Don't worry, guys. Have, a, have some beers. It's my treat. It's on me. So you have a lot of different ways to say invito yo. The one we don't use is I invite. Now, one more I love, too, in Spanish you say is la penúltima. One for the road. Because I remember saying, ah, bueno, la última. Y la gente siempre me decía, el camarero, the waiter or the bartender would say, 
No se dice eso, se dice las penúltimas. Ok, ok. Well, in English we say one for the road. Una para la carretera, ¿no? Para la carretera larga que tengo delante. One for the road. Me encanta. Ese concepto es universal. Now, before we wrap up, antes de acabar, I want to take a look at some very common idiomatic expressions in English that come straight from pubs and drinking and beer. The first one is the rule of thumb. Okay, the rule of thumb. Now, thumb es pulgar. La B es muda. Thumb. Thumb, como la palabra tonto. Dumb. Dumb. La B no lo oímos. Bomb. Bomba. Otra B muda. Now, a rule of thumb is a general rule. Before the invention of the thermometer, right, el termómetro, brewers used to check the temperature of their beer by dipping their thumb in the beer. Qué asco, ¿no? It's disgusting. It's gross. But hey, they had no other way to know what temperature it was. So they would stick their finger into the beer to find out whether they used the appropriate amount of yeast. Yeast es levadura. If it was too hot, the yeast would die. So we use this phrase now in English, a rule of thumb, a general rule. Another one we have is your P's and Q's. We say, mind your P's and Q's. And that means mind your manners. Sed educado. Mind your P's and Q's. Now, a lot of people think that it comes from mind your pleases and thank yous. Di tus por favores y tus gracias. But I looked into it, lo investigué, and I found out that it comes from English pubs. When they order ale, the British kind of beer, It's ordered in pints and quarts, P's and Q's. In old England, when a patron at a bar would get unruly, unruly is difficult to deal with, the bartender would tell them, mind your pints and quarts and settle down. Mind your pints and quarts. Eso se cortó a mind your P's and Q's. Y eso es compórtate con educación. Mind your P's and Q's. And the last one, I love this one. One way to say, me quiero tomar unas cervezas, me quiero tomar un algo, is to wet your whistle. Decimos mojar tu pito. <coughs> to wet your whistle. Yeah, that's right. So many years ago in England, people who would go to a pub, pub goers, we could say, had a whistle that was on the rim of their glass, el borde de su vaso, or it was on the handle of their ceramic cups. When they needed a refill, they used the whistle to get some service. So imagine that you're sitting at a bar, you finish your beer, and you're like, oh, I got my whistle here on my glass. So you go, and the bartender would come and refill your glass. And to this day, we still use this expression to wet your whistle. So guys, I hope you wet your whistle a little bit with us here on today's episode of FYI. Hang on, hang on. Bring that music back in. How could I forget about my amigos? Special thanks to Augusto Hernandez for the song, Souvenir. Also, my amigo Nacho for lending me his voice and expertise in editing. Now, the show is officially over. See you next week.